Dialogue Minnesota, conversations about the issues that matter to you. I'm Jim Dubois. It's been a year since the COVID-19 pandemic upended our lives. How has the economy fared during this unprecedented period, both nationwide and here in Minnesota? A University of Minnesota economist provides us with some answers. Timothy Kehoe is a professor of economics at the University of Minnesota. He is also an advisor to the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. His opinions do not necessarily reflect those of the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis or the Federal Reserve System. Professor Kehoe, welcome back to Dialogue Minnesota. Thank you very much, Jim. I'm happy to be here with you. Well, first of all, let's take a look at the overall health of the U.S. economy right now. The pandemic has obviously forced drastic changes in work and consumer habits as we approach now a year of living with pandemic restrictions in the U.S. Is the economy pretty strong considering the challenges posed by COVID-19? Or do the positive numbers, say, of the stock market uh, perhaps mask some deeper economic troubles for the country? Well, Jim, that's a great question, and I'm going to give you the best answer I can. There's a lot of uncertainty now, but you'll remember that you and I talked about uh, what was happening in the economy early on in the pandemic last spring. And I thought things were going to be bad, and I'm actually favorably surprised. The early impact of the pandemic had made the um, first quarter, the whole downturn was in March. Uh, January and February weren't great, but you know March was so bad. And the second quarter of 2020, as we discussed early in that quarter, was horrible. Was horrible. We saw a biggest impact in unemployment uh, that we saw it at the beginning of uh, the so-called Great. Recession that uh, started in the very end of uh, 2007 and, and certainly got underway in 2008. It was falling faster. And in fact, it even fell faster employment than it did at the beginning of the uh, Great Depression in 1929 in the early 1930s. So we had unprecedented increases in unemployment. Third quarter, of uh, 2020, we saw a rebound. We saw a fairly strong rebound. It continued into the fourth quarter, but kind of petered out in uh, December. And now in uh, the first quarter of uh, 2021, it's not doing that great. And that's what the unemployment numbers, the and the jobless claims uh, reflected. Let's keep in mind, we've had this big yo-yo, a real drop in economic activity in the uh, second quarter of last year, the spring. Then we saw a big rebound in the summer. Not enough to get us back to where we were, certainly, but uh, you know, one of the biggest quarters, if not the biggest quarters for some statistics in economic growth in U.S. history. But of course, that's following the very worst quarter in U.S. history. uh, And it wasn't as good as quarter two was bad. Fourth quarter, things started flattening out. And this is something the epidemiologists and the medical professionals had warned us about. 
was uh, the resurgence in, uh, in the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And something we did not anticipate as much was the spread of these new strains of uh, the COVID-19 virus, which are more contagious. And it meant that uh, just the kind of precautionary measures that at least in some states and cities, and particularly in Minneapolis, Minneapolis isn't doing bad at all in terms of uh, COVID infections. But some places, especially in rural Minnesota, especially places bordering Wisconsin, Iowa, the Dakotas are, are doing badly. So, so Minnesota, the overall statistics aren't great, but the problem's not uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. But that's caused whatever was starting of a recovery to uh, stall. We're going to really have to wait until the combination of two things, I hope, uh, improvement in the weather, so people can get outside and do things uh, while maintaining, uh, you know, social distance and vaccines for the economy to really get going again. But I would say, in answer to your first question, Jim, compared to when I, I talked to you last spring, I'm more optimistic. I think some uncertainty has been resolved. Certainly some industries are doing very well. Some I'm worried about, uh, especially, you know, hospitality industries, uh, personal service industries uh, that can't be done online are not doing too well. The airlines are not doing too well. And uh, restaurants, hotels are not doing well. And uh, they might need some help to survive. And some are not going to survive. And as someone who loves to travel and eat at good restaurants, and we have a lot of good restaurants here in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, I'm worried about this. But, you know, I'm actually favorably surprised by what's happened to the economy overall. Well, given that consumer behavior has changed dramatically since the onset of the pandemic, we know some things that are rather interesting. Number one, apparently the savings rate for Americans has gone up substantially, which is certainly uh, something that seems logical given the fact that people can't spend money in the same places and on the same things that they did pre-pandemic. Uh, the second thing that's troubling, though, is uh, the behavioral changes. And do you think once we get to the point where vaccinations will hit a critical number where we'll get the uh, the herd immunity we're seeking. Do you think there'll be a lot of pent-up demand and then there'll be an explosion, say, of folks who want to go take a trip somewhere or uh, start going back to restaurants again? Or uh, is there another possibility? You know, uh, they say that absence makes the heart grow fonder, but sometimes that's not the way it works. And uh, when people have gotten used to maybe not eating out as often as they used to or not traveling. Could we see, and especially when they look at the impact that's having on their bank accounts, could we see perhaps a, a longer-lasting change in consumer behavior that might not bode well for certain industries? Well, I, I certainly think that we could because we are in unprecedented times. Now, for me, as an economic researcher, and somebody who works with uh, uh, graduate students at the University of Minnesota, 
uh, trying to get ideas for research projects, to do PhD dissertations and so forth. Uncertain times are exciting times because it gives us things we want to figure out. So let me, let me uh, mention a few specific industries and think about them uh, in light of uh, what you've said, that there's been big changes in consumption patterns, uh, and the question is, are they going to be persistent? There had already been a shift by consumers away from brick and mortar, as we say, retail establishments. Okay? That shift was already underway. There has been an explosion in online retailing. And in fact, the retail sector overall is not doing badly in our economy. But saying it that way overall masks a uh, brutal reality. Uh, retailers who depended on uh, in-person you know, what we call brick and mortar, you walk into a store to buy something, they are hurting. Many of them have gone out of business. There will be a bit of a boom when we start getting back to normal, maybe this summer. But let's get back to this. Retailers will have a bit of a comeback, but they're never going to get back to where they were. Brick and mortar retailers are not going to get back to where they were before. We've had a switch to e-commerce, and I think that's going to keep up. So there we've talked about one sector. Uh, retailing overall, of course, that's not going to go down. But there's going to be this shift. Minnesota is one of the places where we invented shopping malls. They're going to boom, certainly in the summer and fall of uh, later this year, but I don't picture them getting back to where they were before. Instead, we're going to be ordering from online retailers. Now, restaurants. Restaurants, and you see, here's my uncertainty, because with brick-and-mortar uh, retailers, there was already this trend underway. And what the COVID-19 pandemic did was speed it up, Jim. So that I can say with some certainty. Travel, restaurants, hotel stays on vacations, your leisure hotel stays. Um, we'll talk about business hotel stays because I think that could be something that's going to be uh, permanently down. But... Certainly the leisure hotels, leisure travel, and restaurants, the kind of hospitality industry that's been really hit hard by the pandemic, I think they're going to bounce back. As a consumer of those kind of things, Jim, I hope they're going to bounce back. Uh, but once again, and you already mentioned it, people have learned to do without them, but I tell you, I travel a lot. Now, I combine it with my work of being a professor, and I love to like to be a visiting professor, in, uh, especially in Spain and Mexico, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to doing that. And um, I'm going to do a little bit more 
to make up for a year without being able to do it. And it's going to be more than a year by the time we're done, of course. So if anyone tells you that they really can make solid projections on what's going to happen, they're wrong. Economists make judgments based on two things, uh, the models they construct and uh, how they work with past data. And yeah, we have plenty of models, but we haven't been able to get the models really fine-tuned because we've never gone through things like we're going through now. So there's uncertainty. But I think some industries, especially ones where there's already been a trend against them, this will just speed up that trend, and they're going to shrink. Others are going to increase. I would not be surprised. And this is just what you hear talking to people and so forth. I can't judge it given past trends because we haven't had things like this before. But I would not be surprised if uh, if business travel and related hotel stays uh, down permanently. And the reason, Jim, it's just like the interview that you and I are doing now. Uh, when I did interviews with you last year or a couple years before that, uh, either I'd come to your studio or you'd come to the University of Minnesota. And I think we've learned, now we didn't quite get it right uh, last spring because we didn't quite have the technology right at the time. We now do. And I don't think that the end product of our interview is worse because we're doing it over Zoom. This is actually a more efficient way to do it. And I bet that's going to be true for a lot of business meetings, too. That's what you're hearing. So some things, even in academics, will have some kind of meetings by Zoom. I've gotten good at using uh, different kind of tools to do lectures by Zoom. We'll continue that, but we're going to largely go back to uh, in-person stuff. So it all depends. It all depends on the industry. The Biden administration's $1.9 billion COVID relief package was approved by Congress. Not a single Republican voted for the measure. Critics say it's too expensive and contains spending that is not directly related to COVID relief. How important is it to get this economic stimulus out to Americans, and should we be concerned about the massive price tag? Okay, that's a that's a great question, uh, Jim. And you know, it's not just uh, Republicans, but my uh, former colleague at uh, MIT, Larry Summers, who was uh, Barack Obama's economic czar, uh, wrote an op-ed piece uh, warning that that uh, he thought it was too big. And I'm not sure that's right. So I do think to get people through to the summer, when we can hope that things are going to start improving, uh, we need to uh, have the government step in and, uh, and help out uh, workers and firms and try to keep the economy going. As we said at the beginning, first quarter of 2021 is going to be difficult. And uh, the second quarter is probably not going to be as good 
uh, as I hoped it would be. So I approve in general of the uh, COVID-19 relief package. Let me mention a specific aspect of it. Now, Larry Summers warned about, and so he's a Democrat. I mean, that, 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 that's the point I was uh, trying to make. You'd think that uh, many Republicans in Congress would object to anything that uh, Joe Biden wanted to do just because Joe Biden wants to do it. But uh, I'm saying there's a legitimate argument against it. And Summers thinks that it's going to overheat the economy, that there's going to be uh, enough uh, demand uh, by consumers as the economy starts to recover, that some kind of package would be good, but that's way too big. Because there's, there's going to be enough demand by uh, consumers to get the economy rolling again once the, once the pandemic subsides. And uh, this would just cause extra spending. It'll cause inflation, increases in interest rates, and so on. And I understand that in normal times, uh, that's what the kind of model that uh, Larry Summers has in his head uh, predicts happening, this overheating of the economy. And I'm going to tell you why I think he's wrong. One thing the economy has had, and you've already mentioned this, is uh, people who have incomes and have been able to retain them because they've gone into somehow distance work, they are going to be able to spend. That's right. But there's a lot of other people. So at the same time we have this high level of savings, we also have really high levels of debt accumulation. Think if you're a business owner who's only been able to operate at a much reduced scale, you've been losing a lot of money going deeper and deeper into debt. Just think if um, you're unemployed or not working, you're deeper and deeper into debt. Some of this bailout is not going to result in increased consumer spending. It's going to allow the people who've accumulated, gone way into debt, to start getting out of it. Now, why, why does Larry Summers not think that? Because we've never seen situations like this before. Now, would I be willing to, and when we were assistant professors together, Larry Summers and I made bets with each other sometimes, and I'm not going to gloat over the fact that uh, I won a major one, but... Um, I'd be willing to bet that I'm right and he's wrong. But once again, let's get back to the point I made before about uh, economists and looking at past data. We're in uncharted territories. I'm not sure I'm right, and I'm not sure he's wrong. It'll be interesting to see it uh, play out. President Biden, as uh, Vice President Biden in 2009, had been in charge by uh, uh, President Obama with leading the uh, effort to recover from that recession we were in. He put together a what they call stimulus package. I'm glad we're calling the current package a relief package, not a stimulus package. As, as I said, we don't want stimulus. We want recovery and relief. And he 
in retrospect, as, as do most economists, uh, thinks he, he went too small and he doesn't want to make that mistake now. And if I had to vote, I'd vote on his side. But I've already mentioned uh, Summers could be right. But the hope is that if we do see the economy booming a bit too much, um, that we can, uh, we can pull back. We need a little bit of flexibility. And I tell you, Janet Yellen, our Secretary of the Treasury, has done a great job in the past in very important positions. And I think she's going to do a good job now. And she has a good working relationship with Jerome Powell, the uh, chair of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System. And I think they know what they're, they're doing. Now, these are my views, not the views of the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis or Federal Reserve System. And there's no inside information here. I'm just giving you my views. And a lot of the information I get, I get from reading the newspaper. You mentioned earlier that Minnesota is faring economically fairly well compared to other states right now. Which sectors of the Minnesota economy are you most concerned about? And where do you think Governor Walls and the legislature should be directing relief funding? Where are we doing well? It turns out that farming, agriculture, so forth, fishing, those are doing better than usual. Retail services are a big thing here. And we're doing well. That doesn't mean that there's not a lot of uh, brick and mortar retailers going bust. But Minnesota was already on top of this online retailing. And we're doing pretty darn well out of that. Construction, we're doing well. Uh, Production facilities. Minnesota's doing well. Where aren't we doing well? We're even doing well in education. Be a lot better if uh, schools were open. And let's see if we can't uh, do something there. For the university, as I mentioned, Zoom is not ideal for university teaching. But I've been doing it now for almost a year. And it works. That's not true for primary education at all. So it would be better if we could get on top of that. Hotels, restaurants, travel, especially in the the summer and people want to get up to the lakes. If they're going to their own cabin on the lake, that and repairs of those cabins, that has done great. But uh, resorts have been killed by the pandemic. And so let's hope that uh, we're in good shape by the summer. We've, we reflect the, the, the picture of the United States overall, but since we're a little bit more high tech, well, no, we're quite a bit more high tech than the average state, I'm being Minnesota modest, we fared better than the average state in terms of uh, unemployment and and so forth. Let me mention a couple of things about unemployment, though. The unemployment rate right now is a little bit less than 7%, and that's high, but it's nowhere near as uh, over 14% that it was in uh, in the second quarter. That masks a bigger problem. A lot of people have dropped out of the workforce. It's because they are good at working in uh, sectors where there's just no jobs. Hospitality sectors, 
You know, suppose that you're a hotel maid. You don't go looking for a job now. There's no chance of getting one. Suppose you're a uh, restaurant cook. Suppose you're uh, a waiter. Suppose you're a retail clerk. You've given up looking for jobs. So the unemployment rate doesn't indicate how bad the uh, labor market situation is. And it's bad for certain groups more than others. You know who it's really bad for? Is working mothers. Uh, Working mothers' uh, ability to work has been really killed by the pandemic. Because if their children have to stay home uh, and they don't have a job they can do at home, if they do have a job at home, it's particularly stressful to do it while they're doing two jobs at the same time all the time. And if they don't, they just had to drop out of the workforce. Also, people with less education and minority groups have suffered uh, disproportionately. And some of the patterns, now that uh, pattern uh, of having uh, the minority groups uh, suffer more than other groups in terms of their labor market experiences, that's common in recessions, that women get disproportionately hit. That is something new to this recession. I have some friends who are women economists who study labor markets, and they even call this the sexist recession. And we're not unique in this. By the way, this is true in uh, countries in Scandinavia like uh, Norway and Sweden, where for years they've done things like try to treat men and women equal in terms of parental leaves and all kinds of stuff like that. But it still turns out that something goes wrong. Older relative with uh, medical problems is another example that they've done work on studying in uh, Norway. It's the woman in the couple who leaves the labor market to take care of the uh, ailing uh, father or mother or father-in-law or whatever. And then with COVID, this has become a massive uh, phenomenon. And those women, since they can't look for a job, they don't show up in the unemployment statistics. That's our definition of unemployed. They're out of work and they're looking for a job. How about if you'd love to have a job, it's just your circumstances won't allow you to take one now. Our statistics don't capture them, but we do know, we have estimates of how many there are. And that's why the labor market situation is even worse than that 6.7 or whatever it is uh, unemployment rate we have now. Timothy Kehoe is a professor of economics at the University of Minnesota. He is also an advisor to the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. His opinions do not necessarily reflect those of the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis or the Federal Reserve System. Professor Kehoe, thanks again for joining us on Dialogue Minnesota. Well, I've enjoyed it, Jim. We've discussed uh, some depressing uh, topics, but we have to try to stay on top of this stuff.